Well, we are coming near the end of our series in Kings, uh, subtitled A Manual for Dissidents. And the premise of the series has been that um, the, the culture that we're, that we're a part of is becoming increasingly, increasingly divorced from who God is and what God is like. Um, and as a result, the church has to operate in a different way. Fortunately for us, uh, we have an example of that. And, and the, in First and Second Kings, uh, the, God's people were in the same situation. The, the leaders were corrupt. They were following other gods. And they had to figure out how to operate in that situation. Now, this week, we're going to be talking specifically about mission. Typically, when we talk about mission, we're, we talk about things like spreading the gospel, right? Um, it, things are a little bit different in a culture like this. So if our culture is becoming more and more like uh, the culture that Elijah and Elisha experienced, this is a roadmap for how we evangelize. So uh, let's let's take a look at these are two of my uh, favorite texts in the in the book of of, of Kings. We, we fast forwarded a little bit. We're now with Elisha, not Elijah. Uh, Elijah, his name means Yahweh is God. His ministry was to proclaim, remind Israel who the real God is. It's not Baal. It's not an Ashtaroth. It's Yahweh, Eli Yah. God is Yahweh. Elisha's ministry is going to be a little different. His name is Eli Yasha, uh, which is the Hebrew for God rescues or God saves. Okay, and so what we're going to see in this text, we're going to begin to see God saving through the, uh, the ministry of Elisha. We know who God is, now we're going to see how God saves. So uh, the people of Jericho said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. It's a, the Hebrew there is ambiguous. Unproductive uh, also means childless. So it could be that there's something that's gone on the, the water that, that causes problems with, with birth. Or it could be that it's like metaphorical and we're not able to grow crops because the water's bad. And we'll see uh, how it's bad in a second. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what Yahweh says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken. Okay, interesting. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some youths, I think maybe teenagers, came out of the, uh, from the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy! They said, get out of here, Baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of Yahweh. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. And he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. <laughs> uh, the real takeaway here is um, male pattern baldness is serious. Okay, It's not... It's not something that we, we can take lightly. <laughs> I, I'm, it, well, that's not true, and we'll, and we'll see why in a little bit. Um, but I do remember um, when my dad finally gave up uh, trying to keep the thinning, um, like, you know, buzz cut, and he just bicked it. And, man, that looks good. It looks manly. I mean, I like it. We got, we got, we got a few of you out there. You're looking good. I respect it. All right, well, let's try to figure out what's going on, because at the first glance, these texts are weird. Um, so let's, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, the first thing to know is we're in Jericho. Um, that's actually in the previous verse, but it's important to know because Jericho is a very important city in the ancient world. And uh, it's true, it's well situated. And it's also true that Jericho is very likely to have bad or uh, like, like problematic water. Why? 
Well, here's a map so you can see uh, Israel. Um, the Dead Sea, if you're familiar with the Dead Sea, it's the world's uh, lowest um, lake, I think. It's like, uh, it's about 1,400 feet below sea level. So it's really, it's in a deep pit. As a result, over the years, water comes and, and tons and tons of minerals and salt have come into the Dead Sea to the point that the Dead Sea is um, extremely buoyant. And the reason they call it the Dead Sea, nothing can live there because there's too much, there's too many minerals, there's too much um, salt. One of the cool things, though, if you go, um, I, I haven't done this myself, but my understanding is you can. If you go to the Dead Sea, you can actually lay in the water and read a book. I uh, have a picture here of someone doing this. Uh, because the water is so buoyant, you know, normally when you try to float, you have to like kind of lay back and you have to sort of be careful. Not in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is so buoyant because of all the salt. There's so much m- mineral in there that you just kind of like, ooh. And so it's a nice place to read a book. Why is that important? Well, uh, Jericho too is, uh, go back to the previous slide, Marilyn, um, the Jericho is just, as you see, it's just about 20 miles, maybe a little less north of the Dead Sea. Jericho is also um, at very deep below sea level. Not as deep, it's about 900 feet below de- uh, sea level, but it's very similar. As a result, um, the water that comes into it, Jericho is also has um, mountains on the sides of it. And so the, the water goes down, and the groundwater around Jericho, all around the Dead Sea, all that area, it's all massively salty. Super, super salty. All right, so let's go back to the text. Uh, when we say that the water is bad, probably what it means is that the water is super salty. We can't do anything. So what does Elijah do? He says, uh, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. Then he goes out to the spring, throws the salt into the spring, saying, this is what Yahweh says. I have healed this water. Very strange thing to do. I don't know if you're, uh, if you're familiar with this, but... One of the cool things now for kids, like what's hot for like the little ones, like the, you know, four or five, six year olds is, uh, it's like making potions, like potion fun. I have a picture of that here. Uh, it's really pretty much just a messy waste of time, but they like it. They really like it. Uh, in fact, my son Soren, he, uh, he loves to make potions. They see on YouTube, there's people who like make experiments, things blow up. I don't know. But Soren wants to be a potion maker and he wants, cause he wants me to be healthy and he knows that I need, you know, magic potions to like get thin or whatever. And so what he does is he goes and he gets a, a like a cup of water and he, or, and he puts a bunch of water in there and then he goes and he gets dish soap and he starts putting dish soap in there. And because he knows if he stirs it up, he get bubbles and bubbles are good for you, right? And so then he's like, dad, I made this for you. I made this potion. Why don't you drink it? It's, a, it's an awkward moment, you know, in the family. Cause I'm like, how about I don't and you leave me alone. And then he's like, what have I done wrong? I know there's not enough dish soap. So I go, and then it's like, shake it. Dad, you ready? Sorry, buddy. How is adding dish soap going to make this any better? It's only going to make it worse. Well, similarly, something's happening with Elisha. The water is already undrinkable. How is adding salt going to help? That's like more and more dish soap. That's going to make it worse. What did you hear what he said? Elisha didn't say, by the power invested in me by Yahweh God, I cleanse this water. No. He says, Yahweh has, de- has declared this water is healed. And just so you know for sure that it was God and not me, 
first thing in your note sheets, Elisha puts salt in the salty water to make sure that God gets the credit. For a lot of the people, when they see, you know, amazing things happen, they, they want to praise the person, not the God who makes it possible. Well, Elisha makes it impossible for them to do that because what he's doing is only going to make the water worse. But if we step back for a second, we should, we should recognize that there's something deeply wrong with the fact that any of this needs to be done. Okay, like, going back to the text, we're, we're in Jericho, right? This town is well situated. That's true. Uh, Jericho is considered the, by a lot of people think it's the oldest city in the world. Uh, at least the oldest walled city. Um, they, they're, some people say like, founded in 8,000 BC. I mean, who knows? Um, but it's, it's in a perfect place. It's got, um, it's got natural barriers and protection. Um, it's an ideal location for a city. If you're a leader, if you're a leader of a country, you want a place like Jericho. It's, it functions as like a fortress. And that's, uh, we have a, I have a picture here of what it would have looked like. Um, so the archaeologists have, have built stuff, have dug up, um, what they, the, what they think is the, the city of Jericho and it is located, there's a modern city of Jericho and right there on, on the screen you have what it would look, would have looked like. That's a kind of a 3D reconstruction over the actual lands where, um, where Jericho is today. Isn't it strange that this super important city that has been around for 8,000 years or what 8,000 at this point, 7,000 years, whatever. Super important strategically. Why are they having water problems? I mean, they, they didn't always have water problems. That's relatively new, right? Suddenly, the water's bad. What? Well, let me ask you this. What? Okay, let's just say that one of you know we're in the United States of America, right? And we, so let's just say that something really bad happened in one of our cities um, where water, I mean, obviously it could never happen, but, but where water becomes like undrinkable, right? Well, we would know that what would happen was our government would help out, right? Our government leaders would, would do something to fix the problem, right? Well, that, that's exactly what the Bible assumes about leaders. If you have good leaders, they're going to take care of the people, but the problem is that Israel has terrible leaders. We're fortunate that we're not in that situation where Israel's leaders, they don't care about the normal people. They forget about the normal people. And as a result, the city of Jericho is in crisis and nobody seems to want to do anything about it. Remember, this culture is anti-Christic. It's against God. And so it forgets the little folks. I don't know if you uh, remember this, but um, this is a this is a photo of um, water from uh, Flint, Michigan. Uh, from the, the the bottle on the left is 2015. Uh, the bottle that's li- like more yellow is 16, uh, 17, and then on the far uh, right is 2018. <laughs> Looks good. I mean, who doesn't want to take a shower in that, huh? Uh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, I think the crisis has, has been solved at this point, but uh, it lasted a really long time. 
the, the government in, in Michigan, they decided what they wanted to do was to save money on water. Because one of the things that you should pr- probably like cut corners on is your water supply. That makes sense. And so they decided to move the water supply from Lake Huron to, I think, the, like a river in Flint or something like that. It'd be closer. And it was a great, a great idea, except that they didn't do any, like, they didn't do a whole lot of the purification stuff. And so, and they, they didn't check the water that was in the river. It turns out it was highly lead, like heavy lead in it. And there were lead pipes that was piping it into the city. And, uh, pretty soon everything got gunked up. We do think that like 12 confirmed deaths. No one knows, I mean, how much damage was done, um, for, from people drinking this stuff. I mean, can you imagine? So you're sitting there, and that's what's coming out of your faucet, and you're like, help! And they're like, good luck. Interestingly, uh, what, what kept the city uh, alive during the four to five years it took for them to, I'm pretty sure they fixed it by now, it's close at any rate. During the four to five years it took to fix this, it was the churches in the area who put together a massive bottled water program where they, they bought and supplied millions of bottles of, of purified water so that people could take showers and drink and, and cook and survive. And they did that saying, in the name of the Lord, this is from God, not us. You've been forgotten. You've been left behind. Because your leaders don't care about you. But God loves you. And this is from him. Next thing here, note sheets. In anti-Christic cultures, mission often involves materially blessing the forgotten in the name of the Lord. As a culture gets farther and farther away from God, its government gets more and more corrupt. The people who have power become less and less interested in serving the interests of the normal people. And so guess who has to sign up? Us. Let's go on to that, uh, the, the next uh, text. Elisha went up to Bethel. Bethel is uh, to the northwest. So he's, he's, he's fixed the problems in Jericho. Presumably, he's going to go do the same thing in Bethel. He's going to address the needs of the people of Bethel who've been left behind or forgotten by a corrupt leadership. Well, as he's walking along the road, some kids come out and they start making fun of him. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. He probably doesn't suffer from male pattern baldness. Um, he actually probably has what's called a tonsure, which is a type of haircut uh, that many religious people over the centuries and millennia have, have elected to have in order to be identified visually as people of God. Okay, so I have a picture here from 150 BC. This is an example of it. In this one, um, the, the side is shaved and then the other side is shaved. In the middle, there's like a line, almost like a mohawk of, uh, of hair. Uh, you may remember like the pictures of the monks, right? Uh, where they've got like hair like around here, but they're bald in the center. Um, that's examples of a tonsure. It's very likely that Elisha had something like that. So when the youths see him, they know exactly who he is. He is the prophet of Yahweh. And they don't want to have anything to do with Yahweh. And so they say, get out. 
That's a really important part here. The, it's the same language, go up. It's like, just pass on by Bethel. We don't need you. We don't want you. Yahweh, his word's not welcomed here. Well, that's not a good idea. It's the next thing here. Note sheets. Rejecting God's messengers is rejecting God. And that does not go well. And it certainly doesn't go well for these youths. Going back to the text. He turned around, looked at them, called down a curse on them in the name of Yahweh. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. I know that sounds horrible, but you are supposed to laugh a little bit at this. This is Hebrew humor. Yeah, oh yeah, forest home, right. There's a lot of bears there. Just, just be nice to the people of God that are there, alright? Both the teachers would be very respectful. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be funny because, um, the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew humor works in a way that anything that's like, like, they love to see it when justice happens to people who, who hate or, or, or go against the Lord. That's always uh, something that would make them chuckle. And so, you are supposed to think this is funny, but for us, it's, pretty horrifying because we're like, ah, that's yikes. Wow. The question though is how did this come to pass? Well, I want you to look at this uh, text. This is from uh, Psalm, I think five. I can't remember. Yeah. Psalm five. Um, make them bear their guilt. Oh God, let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundance of their transgressions. Cast them out for they have rebelled against you. This is what's called an imprecatory psalm, and there's loads of them in the Bible. And what it means is that the, the person, the psalmist, is looking around and is seeing that evil has taken root and is saying, God, you need to stop that. You need to kill these people or something. Like, the, the, God, hello? We can't just let this keep going on. There's a strong tradition throughout scripture of calling down judgment. Being like, this is wrong. This is evil. This has to be cleansed. It's not, again, not normal for us. Not super comfortable. We're more into like the, hey, turn the other cheek. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. All those things. But there comes a time and a place where evil gets so out of control that you have to say, God, you need to stop this. I got a picture here, a before and after of uh, Chloe Cole. Um, Chloe Cole, uh, when she was 12 years old, was um, involved in some kind of online um, discussion groups, uh, and she decided that she was trans. Um, that she was instead going to be a boy. And um, she was facilitated in this by a number of medical professionals um, and her local public school. And transition, and then at the age of, uh, uh, went on uh, hormone blockers, and at the age of 15, uh, did a double mastectomy and removed um, her uh, breasts. One year later, she realized that that was a huge mistake. Um, puberty kicked in and she realized that's not me. And now she goes around saying, I can't go back. We could do some stuff to try and 
you know, but I'm never going to be the person I was before. And the reason it all happened, she was a tomboy and starting to get to puberty. Things were confusing. A lot of ideas were around there and nobody stopped her from doing this. Now, before you think that I'm just some kind of crazy anti-trans bigot, you should know that my cousin is, um, is trans. Uh, she fully transitioned like 20 years ago. I'm fully aware of the science. I'm fully aware of what the reality of the fact that there is such a thing as gender dysphoria. It's, ext- it's vanishingly rare, but it does exist. Let their guilt be on their heads. It doesn't say, God, I'm going to go get vengeance. I'm putting it in your hands. God, you're the one who's going to be the, the avenger of evil. Vengeance is yours, not mine. But you need to know, God, I've noticed what's going on. I see the evil. It's unacceptable. And I'm begging you, begging you to make things right. That's the next thing you're new sheets. In anti-Christic cultures, we must not be a- afraid to call down judgment on evil. But let God do it. It's not our responsibility to take vengeance on whoever hurt Chloe Cole. It is our duty to call it out, though, and to say, God, do something. The title of the sermon is Blessing and Cursing. And blessing and cursing are the, the, the two modes in which uh, the church is, is called, called to evangelize, to do mission in light of a culture that is anti-Christic. Um, and it's anti-Christ in every way that you can be. And so given what we've seen, the way that Elisha operated, um, what, how are we right here, assuming that we are in a position where we're moving farther and farther away from God, how are we supposed to respond? And so here are a couple of really important questions. The first thing, Elisha noticed the forgotten he was, it wasn't the government that went in and saved Jericho. It was, Elisha was the one who looked around and be like, what's going on here? And, and they, they appealed to him. Who are the forgotten around us? Who've been left behind because the powers that be can't be bothered to do what they're supposed to be doing? Because I guarantee you, those are the people who are going to be most receptive to the gospel when you hand them a bottle of clean water and say, this is from Jesus. And if we have identified those people, what are we doing about it? It's the next question. What kind of blessing are we to the people around us? And one thing I've been really excited about is to see, you know, outreach uh, from our church to the village um, and to Stony Brook. Um, because there are a lot. I mean, if you want to hear the stories, there's a lot of, a lot of kids that are forgotten. Even though they go to a very nice private school, they've been cut off and let down by their families. Are we blessing them? And I'm sure that the same is the case in the village. Are we, what are we doing? And are we blessing them in Jesus' name? So that's, that's one half, the blessing half. What about the cursing half? Uh, number three. What evils are ravaging the culture? Are we calling them out? I'm not, by nature, I'd like to be as as apolitical as possible. I really don't, I'm not interested in Republicans or Democrats. Um, But I am interested in evil. And we as as a community, we have to be willing to say it when we see it. 
We have to know Jesus well enough to recognize when something is badly, badly distorted. And we have to be willing to call it out. And last, are we putting vengeance in God's hands or stirring it up as bitterness in our hearts? When we see evil, when we see injustice, one of the most natural responses is anger, <laughs> rage. Um, and it's also natural for us to just kind of keep letting that build. Well, the whole point of what Elisha does when he, when he calls out, he says, God, I bring, I'm asking you a curse on these people. He's putting it in God's hands. He's saying, I'm relinquishing the power. I'm relinquishing the bitterness. It's up to you, God, what you want to do. And if you do nothing, that's fine. But if you act in mighty power, I'm going to recognize that. I'm going to honor that. Our, our natural inclination in the face of evil is to do something about it. Right? Fix it. It's to look for the, the, the leader or whomever that can, can, can fix all the problems. Instead of saying, God, stopping evil is your job. Loving is mine. And so, it's okay to pray against evil. It's not okay to start attacking it. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for um, the testimony that you give us in Kings about how to live when things get hard. God, if we don't understand why um, things happen the way they do, we're not in a position to know, but God, we do know how to respond. Let us be on the lookout for the, the looked over, the, the left behind, the forgotten. Let us meet their needs. Let us do it in your name. Let them know your love because of how we treat them. And God, let us never lose vigilance against evil. May we be willing and able to boldly call it out, to call out for your judgment. And also be humble enough to let you do what you do so that we can be freed up to love. God, we may, may we be a blessing to the forgotten and a curse to the evil. May in all of it you be glorified and bring us back to a place of resurrection. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.